Hi, it's Beth. Today you'll hear Maria's story. Maria is the second 25-year-old daughter without a mom that I've interviewed. Again, I'm so impressed with her strength, with her ability to process her situation with such emotional awareness. I really think you'll enjoy her story. Thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm your host, Beth, and with me, with me today is Maria. Maria and I both just discovered that we both live in PA and not actually that far from each other. Um, we've met over um, basically Instagram. Maria was already following uh, Lauren McGowan, who I interviewed a couple weeks ago, um, and then Maria saw that Lauren shared the podcast on her story and Maria found Daughters Without Moms. So like I always say, I'm sorry that you're part of the club, but here we are. And uh, part of the important thing that we can do together is to share our stories in a safe um, place. And this is a safe place for you, Maria. And I'm going to let you introduce yourself and share your story. Thanks, Beth. Hi, guys. Um, my name is Maria. I'm 25 years old, and I'm from Abington, Pennsylvania. I lost my mom to lupus and Guillain-Barre syndrome on August 25th, 2005. I was nine years old. My mom battled lupus and Guillain-Barre for about 30 years. What lupus is is a chronic disease that can cause inflammation and pain in any part of your body. It's an autoimmune disease which means that your immune system, the body system that usually fights infections, attacks healthy tissue instead. Lupus can infect, um, you know, any joints, you know, or any organs like a skin, your joints, blood, kidneys, heart, you know, your brain. And my mom had it in her blood. Um, lupus does affect women from ages 15 to 44. My mom was about 20 to 21 years old when she was diagnosed. My mom had um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a condition in which the immune system attacks the nerves. The condition may be triggered by an acute bacterial or viral infection. Symptoms start as weakness and tingling in the feet, legs, and hands that spread um, up the, your body and par paralysis can occur. My mom was very lucky that her doctor caught it um, early enough, but she was for a period of time paralyzed up to her neck. I remember my dad telling me it was during a time when they were married and my mom actually stayed with her mom, my grandmom, um, so someone could take care of her during the day so my dad could go to work. So he would go over in the mornings and at night, you know, to get her out of bed and take her to bed and, you know, be there when he, you know, was done work. Um, but I couldn't even imagine, you know, not moving your any your body completely. And um, but the thing was, I never knew my mom was sick. I mean, I was nine years old. How do you tell a nine year old that her mom is sick and that there is no cure for her illness? So when she passed away, that um, is when I found out that she was sick. And over the years, I obsessed over what lupus was, because that was mainly her struggle was the lupus. And um, so, um, yeah, so I obsessed over it and that there is no cure. Uh, we believe she died of a heart attack from the medicine that she was on for lupus. We never got an autopsy done because she had an illness, so you don't really need to get one done. And it wasn't really something she would have ever wanted. So um, we believe when she went to sleep, she had a heart attack. So 
the date, August 25th, 2005, is a day I'll always remember. I remember I woke up that morning and I tried to get in the bed next to my mom and she wasn't moving. And, you know, I'm nine years old. I don't understand why she's not moving. My dad's alarm started to go off and was wondering what I was doing. And I go, oh, I'm trying to get in the bed with next to mom and she isn't moving. And I just remember the look on his face and he just ran over to her side, called 911. I'm sure he called, you know, our family. And I, I knew he was upset and panicking. And I just, the next thing I know, I went to my room and two police officers came into the room. And I mean, I'm nine years old. So like, it was very difficult. They were worried for me. I'm confused. And then at some point, you know, a lot of it's a blur, but I just remember, you know, I had to say goodbye. And I remember crying because I didn't understand why I'm saying goodbye to my mom who's laying in the bed. And so my aunt took me to the basement to go do laundry because my mom still had laundry in her, in the washer. So, cause they didn't want me to see nine years old, them taking my mom out of the house. So, um, and then after that, of that day, I just remember my mom's one aunt like freaking out. She was just saying, it's the medicine, it's the medicine that killed her. And I do believe that um, is why it caused her because one of the things um, to me that's so scary that was that a few days prior that her chest actually was hurting her. And I remember it hurting and she scheduled a heart appointment. Like there's, I guess there's two different heart appointments you go to. The first one is I guess they rule out stuff. And then the second one would have told them most likely she was having a heart attack. And here they never worried about her heart. The doctors always were more concerned with, I think it was um, her liver and kidneys. So her heart at this point wasn't really ever concerned from what I understand. And um, and that's scary um, that, that that's how it was and that all of a sudden it can start medicines or just the disease itself can just start affecting other organs. And um, so I struggled with that and my grief from the time I was nine years old till now I'm 25 and um it wasn't for a few months I would say after my mom died that my dad and I both went to a support group called Safe Harbor it's an amazing program for families who lost spouses children parents and siblings it's a free program for all families it ranges from ages four to 18 years old. And they also have like a caregivers and parents support group that's completely separate from the children's and teens groups as well. And I was about, we were both about there for about two years. Um, and that place will always hold a special place in my heart because there was so many different rooms for kids. Like they had a volcano room where it was all pads. You could, you know, let your anger out. And most of the time that's what you need. Um, they had like an arts room, a music room, where I really felt that was like looking back now, the music room is pretty cool because they have all these different instruments. And in that moment in time, where maybe the question that they might ask you when it all happened, how do you feel? And you pick that instrument and kind of express it that way. So um, I really think there should be, I'm sure there are more programs like Safe Harbor, but that one is very, very special. Um, but it was after that, that I really struggled with my grief as a child. I honestly didn't know what to do. I never wanted to talk about my mom and how I was upset because I never wanted to upset anybody else, like my dad or my grandmom that I was grieving my mom. And I know they were grieving too, but I didn't want to hurt them anymore. Um, 
But it wasn't until I was able to um, tell my one cousin, Christina, how I, I was afraid to fall asleep at night because she passed away in her sleep. So every time I closed my eyes at night, I thought I was going to die just like my mom did, not understanding she was sick. And um, I still get that feeling even oh, it's what 15 and a half years now, almost 16. And I still, there's nights where I'm like, I don't want to go to sleep because I think I'm just going to die. And I know I'm not. And I tell myself, I know I'm okay. I'm healthy, but it's still scary because it's one of the main triggers I have in memory is the first thing of it all. Um, but because I was able to open up to my cousin, um, I start to not be so scared to talk about it, but I still, you know, you still stay quiet about things, but you know that it is okay to tell and talk about, you know, your loved one. One of my biggest struggles was that um, day is, or from that day is a separation anxiety that I get from being away from my dad after um, losing my mom at such a young age that I was always afraid I was going to lose my dad and I would get home. And if he wasn't home or hadn't heard from him in a while, I would call him and find out just really just to make sure he was alive. I think it had to be maybe about four or five years ago, I was going up to the mountains with my boyfriend's family and I was struggling really bad that day. And I stood in the driveway and I just remember crying to my dad. Probably the first time I ever really let him know that I had this anxiety. And um, I just was like, I don't want to go. Um, I don't want to leave you. Like, I just, it was this awful feeling that you get, like, you just feel like the moment you walk away, like something is going to happen. And eventually I did go up that weekend and cause he was like, you'll have fun. You know, you'll have fun. And I did, but it's just the separation. You know, you're just scared that this is my last living parent and you don't want to lose them. So to me, it's hard because I have so many family and friends, but to me, I'm an only child and my dad's really all I have left. And it's very, very scary. Um, but not also not many people know that I was bullied because I didn't have a mom. I was told things like, it's been so many years, get over it. Who cares? You don't have a mom. Those things were awful. And I, still remember them to this day. And um, it made me question what I did wrong. Why me? And what could I have done differently? But the thing, it, thing is that it wasn't my fault and that no matter what, my mom always was going to die. They just didn't know it was going to be that early. She was only 50 years old when she passed away from lupus. But as a kid, you don't understand that. And it wasn't until I was older that I could understand that none of it was my fault. Because of that, I was so scared to talk about it and felt like no one wanted to talk about my mom. So I just kept all my feelings and I would cry at night, barely sleeping at night. I also was holding everything in for so long that the grief would just explode out of me and I would just cry and just feel like I was losing control in a way. I would be so angry about it all. I never wanted to get up in the morning and go to school or do anything, but I did because I didn't want anyone to know how much I was really struggling. Um, my dad, my grandma, my mom's brothers and my aunts would tell me stories about my mom 
but we just never talked about the loss of my mom. It was, and it wasn't until like years had passed that I was older and I remember just had enough and I went out and I asked my dad, I was like, how did you do it? How did you get up every day and not completely fall apart? What he said to me was that I had you, I had to. And to me, he, in his eyes, he didn't have a choice. He put his love for me, for his child over his own grief. But also he said that with every death in the family um, or friends or someone you know, it brings up, you know, mom's death all over again and everything, you know, all the grief and he's 100% right. Every time someone we knew died, it was always hard, but nothing was harder than when my grandma passed away in 2017. My grandma, my mom's mom, Joan, she was uh, one of many people who was a rock in my life. Every, everyone says it takes a village. and It really does take a village. Um, but it wasn't for, if it wasn't for my dad and getting help from my mom's family and his friends, I'm not sure where the two of us would be because we needed them and their support, but she wasn't just my grandmom. Um, she was my mom as well. My grandmom was always there for us, would do anything for me. I would stay at her house all the time as well. When she died, I remember that week and day as well. And she had struggled with, she had a lot of heart problems and lungs and you know would get pneumonia all the time. And so it was just by the time she passed away, it was really her lungs and she was just at an old age. So, um, but we had moved her from her house to my uncle's house and she might've lived there for two weeks before she passed away. And um, that day is, it was rough. It definitely was because for me, um, I was losing my mom all over again, but worse. And it took a very long time for me to move on from that because it was something entirely different from my grief with my mom. I really didn't know my mom because I was so young and I have memories, but I have so much more memories and um, just conversations in general with my grandma. And we were best friends and we loved each other and we would do anything for each other and told each other how it was all the time. So losing my grandma left a big hole in my heart. Um, but I was there when um, she died. And, um, what's actually really crazy to backtrack a little bit was the night my mom passed away, she went to bed and then I went to bed later. And then when my dad came to bed, he took me out of bed and put me back in my own bed and he slept in there. And we, so we both slept with my mom who was most likely already dead, which was, it's still, it's so weird, I guess, for people to hear that. But for me, it was like our last moments with her without really knowing them. So when I was with my grandma, I just remember my uncle was standing, um, you know, by her bed. And um, I had helped with the nurses that day and cleaning her, changing her, just keeping her comfortable. And I was at the bottom of the bed, holding on to her ankles, looking outside and um, crying because I knew, we knew it was coming within 24 hours. I mean, I didn't know it was gonna be in minutes probably from that time. It feels like it was like 10 minutes long. Um, and I just remember my uncle yelled my name and I like jumped up and she was just taking her last breaths. And we just held onto her and held on to each other. 
And that's something that just doesn't, or just always stays with you and doesn't go away. And um, will always be hard for me because I knew my mom couldn't be there for anything in life, but I always thought my grandma would be there through, through it all. And I think that will always be one of the hardest parts for me. Um, You know, she at least was there for my graduations, but um, you know, I just graduated from college and I'm going even further with my degree and, you know, neither of them will be there for my weddings or anything. So it's, it's, it breaks my heart some days. Um, but whenever I see cardinals, pennies or dimes, but importantly, butterflies from my mom, I know it's my mom and grandma. Those are all signs from a loved one. And I at least get one of them a week. It's kind of crazy. I, I usually find cardinals a lot. Um, butterflies are almost literally smacking me in the face, but butterflies are definitely my mom because one of the side effects that my mom never had from lupus was it would show a rash on your face in the shape of butterfly wings. So um, we've always connected butterflies with my mom. And um I just always hope that both of them will always be proud of me and for who I am today, because I couldn't do it, especially without my grandmom. But yeah, that's, you know, my, you know, my story. And, you know, even at 25, I'm, you know, I'm still learning new things. And, but one of the things I've definitely learned was to not be afraid to talk about, you know, your mom or whoever you have lost. Um, because for me, I think, I have grown so much. Um, you know, I've seen therapists over the years and still see one. And if it wasn't, you know, constantly talking about my mom and my grandma, and um, I would have a harder time. And I learned that. And I wish I knew a long time ago to just talk about it instead of crying and holding it all in. And, um, but yeah, so just always talk about, you know, your loved ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, Maria. Jeez, that's, that's a lot. Um, And you're only 25 years old. Uh, I would give yourself credit that you already um, have learned that, that you said you've grown so much and to not be afraid to talk about it. um, Because I was mad for like 20 years. (laughs) So you're, you're doing some of the leaps and bounds with the work that you're doing with yourself um, and being able to say that at the, at the ripe old age of 25, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I still get angry, but I'm not as angry as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My thing too, was like you said, um, that you didn't understand what you had done wrong. That's what my thing was too. Like why? Cause people said, well, God has a plan. Well, then why was I being punished? Like that didn't make sense as a 13 year old or a nine year old. That makes absolutely no sense to be able to look at what you've been through and not not view it from the viewpoint of, you know, what did I do wrong and why was I being punished for this? Because that's it's hard. Um, it is. I mean, you I mean, everyone who loses somebody, you go through the what ifs and, you know, you blame yourself and you're angry with yourself. And it's really like I said, it wasn't my fault. It was she had an illness and there was nothing I could ever do. But I didn't understand that. And it took, I mean, years for me, that maybe 10 years for me to figure that out and to like really grasp it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're nine years old. I mean, that stuff in your brain isn't even developed yet. Yeah, Actually, no, it's, it's really just, it's getting there for you. I think 25 is the age when all that stuff in the front is, <laughs> is finally developed, but you, you literally don't have the capacity to, 
as a nine-year-old, which I think is probably a good thing, um, you know, because you were only nine. Um, um, I love that your aunt took you to the basement because that is, that is, that probably would have been um, something that would have been hard for you to get out of your memory. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, I mean, I don't really remember. I just remember her telling me we were doing it because I was so like distraught, she said. And she's like, once I was like, she started because we were, it was, you know, August 25th, school's about to start. So she's like, we just talked about school and you were like, fine. And, um, but yeah, it's because I, I was outside when my grandma was taken out. And that's, I lost it when that happened because I wasn't ready for that. And, I was so thankful that they tried to protect me in a way. So I wouldn't have that memory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So my sister, she passed in this room right behind me here. And um, when they showed up, I, I went upstairs. I was like, yeah, no, I, I don't want to, I don't want to see this part. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, you, so one of the things that I wasn't aware of um, is that at the end of life, there can be some people can, you know, have a struggle or, or actually like call out or things like that. Did your grandma go pretty peacefully? She did. So like that last week, so we moved her in and I want to say like that Friday, Saturday night is when like everything went downhill where like, you know, she was having diarrhea all the time. Um, she wasn't really eating. And like it, it was just like, she needed medicine more often. She needed the hospital because we had her on hospice nurses that summer, but like, it was just to get her clean because she couldn't walk from her room to the bathroom. And um, so it was pretty peaceful, I would say, because she was on morphine, I would say maybe 24 hours before that we started that. And um, she, I don't think she was ever in any pain. I think it was really just her pride at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and I was thankful for that. It was, you know, it was peaceful and she was, you know, around me and my uncle. And I think there's like a few of my cousins as well there, but I can't even remember that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was really grateful to be there um, too for my, my sister and her husband. It, she was here and my, her husband and I were with her. Um, and I was really like, I'll be forever grateful for that, that he allowed me to be a part of, of um, the ending like that. But I didn't realize that there could have been, you know, there could have been a different way that it ended. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for a peaceful, like you said, it was just like a, a last breath and yeah, yeah. And that was it. So that's yeah. some, for me, that's something to be grateful for, for me, me personally. Um, and it's like weird that I even wanted to be there. Like, I, but I did, I wanted to be there when she passed away because, you know, she was always there for me. And it's like, now she needed me and I wanted to be there for her. And I was just very grateful. It's, it was, it's a, an experience that you can't really explain. I feel mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh no. I don't think you can either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I can imagine that it took you a lot longer to get every degree from, you said her name was Joan, your grandmom. Yeah. yeah. Cause if you're 25 now, it was 2017. So you were what, 21 or 22? Yeah. Around there it was. Yeah. yeah. So you had more than twice the amount of life mm -hmm. memories with your grandmom than you did with your mom. Plus, like you said, the emotional capacity that you had, you know, for nine, your first nine years of life. I mean, your actual emotional capacity grows tremendously, but you're, you know, you're a kid and you're, you know, doing your own thing and not realizing um, what those moments are going to mean. But especially then being a daughter without a mom, 
really close to your grandmom. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that was a devastating loss. Yeah. Yeah. I always said I didn't know what I was going to do when she died and then she died and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And I mean, it was, it was a struggle. And I mean, now what we're in 2021, I'm doing so much better. I mean, there's days where I'm like, oh, we got to call grandma or like something was like going on or like, I didn't want to talk to somebody. I would be like, I'm calling grandma. I'm like, she'll get me out of anything. And it's like, you're like, oh, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other female women in your life that you're close with that you can yeah, I, do that with? I, yes. My mom, sister-in-law, um, I talk to all the time. One of um, my dad's, I mean, I can go to any of his best friends, but my aunt Fran, my dad's known since he was like eight years old. She's somebody I can always call and talk to. And um, they always have some funny story to tell. Um, about either my mom or my grandma. So yeah, it's really good to have other like women Mm -hmm. that who can so who will always be mother figures to me. But my grandma was like the top notch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep. And nothing, no one will ever take their places. um, But having other people that you can relate to that you feel like, you know, have your absolutely um, your well-being as their number one priority. That is something that is comforting. Um, since you're still only 25 and have a have a long way to go, but man, you've done some impressive work um, with your journey and with your grief, and you share it very well. And um, you know, like I said, the fact that you're you're able to express so much and to not um, hold on to an extreme amount of anger or resentment. I know that it, you know, it will, it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows like waves and tides. I did this whole thing because I, I don't think that um, grief is linear. I don't think that you ever get over with it. I, I'm sorry to tell you that, that because you're only 25, but there's no way that a loss of someone that you love with all of your heart like that won't always be a part of your life. So to those bullies from when you were a kid, take them and, <laughs> and wrap them around their heads and squeeze their necks and just say, you know, uh, that you should, you know, shouldn't you be over it by now? And who cares that you don't have a mom? Well, you know, I'm sorry that it will be for the rest of your life, but you've done a lot of work um, already to seem like um, you know that it's going to be a part of your life and that talking about it and sharing it and everyone's wrong, you know, being able to open up to your dad and ask him the questions and talk about the things that you want to, um, will be, will be a part of your journey for the rest of your life. Oh, it definitely will. Like it doesn't, like you were saying, it doesn't go away and it's like, you don't move on from it. It's always a part of you, but you can move on with your everyday life and just grow with that. And that's what I've had to take from it was like, she will, they will both always walk with me. You know, I um, truly believe that even though they're physically not here, I feel them all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's the best part, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll grow with your grief. Your grief will grow with you, but it will always be a part of who you are. And I, you know, And, um, you know, some people, when I was starting this, were were worried that I was going to be like overwhelmed with, you know, the sadness and the deepness. And, but I also, I, like, I, I don't know what to call it, but I feel like, like being a grief advocate, like you, you have to allow yourself to feel that 
you know, you, you have to allow yourself to feel that. Um, and when you talked about the bottling and the brooding, well, okay, no, you talked about keeping all your feelings in. I, I just did this with the ladies that were in the, are in the permission program that we talked about when we try to unhook from our emotions, like how we do that and what you described is called bottling. Mm -hmm. And then you said it would come out every once in a while and she called that emotional leakage or it could be an emotional explosion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not just leaking, um, somebody's shaking the bottle here and we're <laughs> exploding out with the, uh, the emotions. So, um, but that, you know, it's all normal stuff as we try to figure out how to navigate this new journey. Um, and, you know, I think with the pandemic and stuff, too, and people keep talking about going back to normal, oh, there is not going to be any going back to normal. And it's the same thing after a death like that. Your normal is, is going to be a whole new, brand new slate. It really is. It's like, I mean, I can't even like, I mean, you know how it is. It's all of a sudden one day they're there and then they're not. And I remember like my dad's best friend, my aunt Fran was in Massachusetts and drove through the night. And I remember her telling me, she's like, I cried the whole way there. And she stayed the night. I can't even tell you how many nights she stayed here. And, and I'm thankful for that. But like, you just remember, like, it's different now. And you, you kind of, it's like, you gotta look at each other and be like, well, what do we do now? Like, how do you move on? And like I said, it's like the village. Like you need all these people to you'll never get back to normal but you'll get to some kind of normalcy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah very well said and I'm definitely gonna look up safe harbor I had never heard of that before so see what an awesome thing that you're doing here getting the word out um, about safe harbor I'm assuming have you lived in Abington your whole life like is it in that mm -hmm. area yes I think it's in Willow Grove okay it's through Abington Hospital Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how, I don't know if someone told my dad about it. Um, but they have like, I want to say they have like 50 plus volunteers. Uh, I did try to volunteer there, but of course it all happened when my grandma passed away and I just haven't got back there. I hope to one day do get back there. Um, but they've been around since 2001, I want to say, and they've helped so, so many families and they only started with like 17 families. Now I'm way over that yeah. so no it's a really really great program and I've actually helped some people get through it because through um my classes like I'm in a I was I just got my degree in my associate's degree in human services and in discussion boards I brought it up and I got so much feedback and people were really interested and knew somebody who needed it and um you can always back out too of it um when I was there as a facilitator I remember, you know, these two boys were there and they just, they just didn't want to do it. And even one of my friends who I still talk to here now or here and, you know, I still talk to her, her older brothers, cause she lost her brother and she had, I want to say like three other brothers and the, they didn't really want it. They were teenagers and I think they just wanted to grieve in their own way, but she stuck with it. And, um, and that's, it's the place is just a really great program well what you said alone about the volcano room and the art room and the music room I'm like uh, I want a volcano room <laughs> yeah, we always want our houses like just the breaks you just want to break something just punch you know there was like um pillows there was mats like I said I think they might have had mats on the wall um you know like those the boxing um the punching thing bags I think yeah. they, yeah. they have mm -hmm. them like they have like the 
like the gloves too so like you're never gonna get hurt like yeah what a great idea that's a great idea yeah so I'm gonna put um a link to their website in the show notes for this podcast episode too because that's the first I've heard of it so if if you're helping spread the word to others then that's great you know I would love to yeah 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 very good well thank you so much for being here Maria thank you for having me yeah I really appreciate you telling your story and for sharing your strength with us. Thank you. And you too for doing this podcast mm-hmm. and bringing other people's stories because, you know, there's all kinds of different stories out there of how, you know, like I know some of them are cancer, some have Alzheimer's, you know, it's all different and everyone reacts different. Mm-hmm. And they're all important. They are. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in being interviewed for a podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.